And here we are, the finally the end of 2020. And then not a moment too soon. Although I say that like somehow on January 1st, everything is now different when it, it's not at all. No, it's just, it's, it's just tomorrow. And will be for some time. I, I keep telling know. myself I'm getting it together and I'm like, you know what? 2021, I'm going to, I'm going to put on normal pants. <laughs> I'm going to stop eating pie every day. That has not happened yet. That's I doubt that we're going to wake up tomorrow and the world is going to be vastly different, but baby steps. That's right. Baby stepping. Bob Wiley. Yes. Um, well, Anne, I had a wonderful Christmas. My daughter surprised me with a That's Outrageous t-shirt. I saw that and I'm, first of all, completely jealous. <laughs> I'm like, where's my goddamn shirt? It's so cute. The back had a small dune written on the back, which is just the best. It is the best. That was a stroke of genius on her it part. It really was. Attention to detail. Yeah. How yeah. Did she, I mean, well done. Very, very impressive. Yeah. How was your Christmas? Same. Very low key. I've been in the same clothes for s- several days now where <laughs> I keep telling myself that it's just, I'm just really relaxing. I'm in full <laughs> relaxation, but I think there's a very fine line at this point between relaxation and depression and I'm teetering. <laughs> I'm teetering. It can go either way. It can go either way. Well, actually, and tomorrow will be uh, the debut of Aaron's Netflix show Headspace. So you'll have to watch that, Anne, to get in the right. Oh, yes, that's true. Yeah. I I will watch it. I do. I'm trying to be very, you know, I was lighting candles for the winter solstice. I did it all. Oh, yeah. Of course. You never know. Any, Any little thing. You never know. I could do something for you. That's right. All right, Anne. Well, here we are. We're going to kick off another podcast. Are you ready? I'm so ready. Well, hello, everybody. I am Chrissy. And I'm Anne. And now, oh, it's still the last day of December, so I still get to be Anne's best friend. Yes, you are. You're hanging on. Hanging on. Who said 2020 should go away? I got to keep it going. (laughs) Uh, well, and this is That's Outrageous, the podcast where we discuss life's oddities and, of course, the things that we find outrageous. Yes. Either good or bad. Correct. Correct. Oh, I'll tell you what's outrageously good. Nicholas, my son, got me a sweatshirt that I did wear for three days straight that says Property of Lasagna and it has Garfield on it, <laughs> which is amazing. And I got a vintage 1986 Jack Wagner concert t-shirt. Ooh. Yeah. That smells like it's been in someone's basement since 1986. So we're trying to wash that out. It's one of those things like somebody probably was digging out someone's old garbage and was like, you think somebody would buy this? And the answer is yes. Yes. Well, I'll tell you, Anne, um, while, while you might have a low opinion of some people, you might raise your opinion of the kangaroo. I like kangaroos. Who doesn't like a kangaroo? I guess people in Australia might not like kangaroos. In Australia, do kangaroos just kind of like, are they, are they just out and about like, like how deer are out and about yeah. in neighborhoods? Like is a kangaroo hopping by in your neighborhood like a wild sight or is that something that is like an everyday, not big deal? Yeah, I think it depends on on where you live, but 
there's so yes yeah, so there there are certainly um um kangaroos in the wild in australia but researchers at the university of roehampton in britain and the university of sydney in australia have made a startling discovery about kangaroos okay and they did i'll just say they preface this by using uh kangaroos in zoos not in the wild because apparently kangaroos in the wild are as most wild animals are unpredictable and you know could become violent with people who could blame them yeah i'd be like get that get out of here yeah whereas kangaroos and zoos are still considered wild but they're used to people because you know people come to feed them and all that stuff i think that i'm anti-zoo yeah you yes well i think a lot of people but all right so but anyway yeah but i will say so they use these zoo um kangaroos that's really adding insult to injury not only are they captured a bunch of idiots having to stare at them all day long now they're getting experiments conducted on them Ugh! i wish the kangaroos would punch them or whatever you know whatever they do kick fight well they well they've discovered that kangaroos can communicate with humans similar to the way that dogs horses and goats do despite never having been domesticated Yes. Um, They can communicate requests for help from a human, the researchers said. Up until now, they had hypothesized that this kind of interspecies communication had existed only in animals that had evolved alongside humans. However, this study suggests a higher level intelligence in Australian marsupials than had been assumed. and let me just say, they hope that the results would persuade people, especially Australians, to treat kangaroos with more care um, because they're seen as a nuisance and culled annually annually because of their overabundance. I'm guessing that's code word for it. Oh, so they are like the deer. Like they're yeah, like they, the deer of Australia. Yeah, they have to, I guess, kill some to keep the population oh, under control. Jesus, that's terrible. Yes, uh, in 2017, there were 50 million kangaroos in Australia, which was double the human population. Oh my God. And then farmers complain that they are like deer. They complain that they eat the pastures. Um, and they also are a threat to endangered wildlife by destroying habitat and eating reptiles, which I never knew a kangaroo would eat a reptile. I mean, let them eat the fucking reptile. What's the problem, man? Well, it says what reptiles of- aren't there? They have those giant in Australia. They have like the giant spiders, the giant snakes. Come on, man! I'll take a kangaroo. Come on, the kangaroo's helping out. You got the kangaroo to help out and with the little baby kangaroo in the pocket. Come on. Well, they say that so so they trained and tested eleven kangaroos from Australian zoos over eight days last year. And they were testing them to get food out of a box. Then they locked the box, making it impossible for them to gain access to the food without help. Initially, the kangaroos sniffed and scratched at the box. But once they realized they couldn't open it, they turned their attention to this Dr. McGilligan, who was in the room. The kangaroos looked at me, and they did this sort of gaze alternation, looking at the box, back at me, back at the box, back at me. Yeah, they're saying, look, motherfucker, we know you have the key. (laughs) You already have us locked up in here. Now you're playing games? That's what they're saying with their eyes. Yes, and they said 10 out of the 11 kangaroos actively looked at Dr. McGilligot and nine alternated between looking at him and the box containing the food. And you know what? The last one was like, I'm not even giving this motherfucker the satisfaction. (laughs) It knew, it knew, but it was like, I'm not even going to do it. 
I'm not, I know what you're doing and I'm not participating. Yes. Well, he says they were really trying to intentionally communicate their desire to get him to help get the food out of the box. And they believe the kangaroo's behavior is a modification of how they communicate with one another in the wild. They said there are social species and would use these cues among each other. In a captive setting where there's humans present, they're probably able to adapt this ability to communicate with humans. Here's the bottom line. Humans ruin everything. Everything was working out just fine for the kangaroos and now everybody else in the zoo. And they're just coping. They're just trying to get by. But they can communicate. It was a big breakthrough. I think that all beings... Are, have ways of communication. I think that humans like to think we're the smartest, but again, to my previous point, <laughs> that's not true. I think if the the kangaroo researchers, the the actual kangaroos, are sitting in their lab coats and glasses and doing human experiments, we're the dummies. <laughs> well, I will say they they tried a similar study with wolves. And the wolves simply attack the food boxes with their teeth instead of <laughs> yeah. communicating any, any trying to request for help from you. The wolf is like, I'm not, we're not doing this, right? So like, I can get in this box. We're not participating. It. Yeah. Yeah. So, Anne, if you ever go down under, I you can try like to look to. soulfully at a kangaroo. I will. But only in a zoo. No. Although I do want to see the koalas. I would like to see the koalas, even though they're, they're riddled with chlamydia. Koalas? Yeah. Oh. That's and apparently sad. they're vicious. Koalas are vicious? Yeah. They're vicious and riddled with chlamydia. Somehow that didn't make it into the tourism ads. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, going from there, uh, here's, here's, here's someone else that should be studied. Let me just say that. Um, so this was in, oh gosh. Oh, Kentucky. Okay. Good old Kentucky. So this guy in Kentucky, this was just, you know, we had uh, the many parts of the Northeast and I guess, you know, down into Kentucky area. Um, got a big snowstorm about a week ago. Yeah. And um, this, this resident named Timothy Browning uh, dressed up as Cousin Eddie from National Lampoon's <laughs> Christmas Vacation. That's funny. Huh. Of course, I don't know who that is, but anyway. What are you talking about? You've never seen any of the vacation movies? I have one, which I have only seen the first one. Randy Quaid. You've never seen oh. Christmas Vacation? I don't think so. What are you talking about? <laughs> That's on, first of all, you can't avoid it. You, you couldn't avoid it if you tried. It's on TV 24 hours a day during the holidays. <gasps> um, yeah, somehow I've missed it. I missed it, Anne. You need to watch it. This is unacceptable. I've only seen the original. Oh, maybe I saw part of it. I don't know. Well, you're going to need to go ahead and watch it. Okay. Because that's outrageous. That's well, outrageous. Well, okay. So this guy dressed as Cousin Eddie, who you're saying was the Randy Quaid character. Yes, I'm saying okay. that. because Okay. I do remember who that is. Yeah. Um, and he, um, so his driveway was filled with snow. He took out a flamethrower. As one does, you know. As one does. Who doesn't have a flamethrower in their garage? Yeah, he, he, um, so he got, he went outside, he's wearing a white bathrobe, socks, slippers, and a hat, recreating Cousin Eddie, and then he took out a flamethrower. Cousin Eddie did not have a flamethrower, but all right. Yeah, but, well, this, this Mr. Browning does. 
<laughs> I like and that you're giving him, you're really stepping it up, Mr. Browning. Mr. Browning. Okay. Uh, and so he, you know, whatever, lights up the flamethrower and starts melting the snow on his driveway while chugging a beer. He sounds about as sophisticated and smart as Cousin Eddie, so I'll give him that. Well, he then, he himself wrote this. I'm not saying this. He wrote, God bless American rednecks on Facebook with, with the video of his, of his flamethrowing. That's a sequel I'm not interested in. <laughs> Save it. Mr. Bro What's his name? Mr. Browning? Mr. Browning. Timothy Browning. Mr. Browning. Nobody's interested. Um, some people on social media referred to him as a genius and asked how he got his hands on the flamethrower. And then one person on Twitter <sighs> said... Now that's what you call a sure fire way to get things done. Huh? Huh? I mean, <laughs> I just, humanity is in real trouble. <laughs> call in the kangaroos. They need to take us out. Call in the kangaroos. Yeah. Well, I'll say it was very effective. You could see the whole thing just melting away. We need a kangaroo army across the globe just taking us all out one by one. <laughs> Oh, God bless America. And one more, Anne. We're going to leave America for a moment. Oh, thank God. Yeah. We're going to go to Beijing. Okay. Okay. This is a weird one. Tell me if you would ever purchase this. Okay. So I guess McDonald's every now and then does sort of special uh, sandwiches. Yeah. Like the McRib. That's like an, I've never had a McRib, fun fact. I had McRibs as a child. Did you? I've never had them. But that's, they have that, what, once a year? Shamrock shake? Yeah, those types of things. Yeah. So in, in China, this is the sandwich that they're ha they have as a special right now. It is Spam. This is Ugh. so weird. Spam topped with crushed Oreo cookies. Okay, that's vile. And then topped with mayo. That's vile. Isn't that weird? I mean, I know in some places spam is a is like in Hawaii and stuff. People love spam. Yeah. I'm not a fan of processed meats. No, um, including spam. I do yeah. like Oreos, but together I can't. I can't imagine that. And then it's on a what a roll like a bun, like a hamburger bun. Yeah, I, yeah. I, and I, I can't. I can't agree with that. Yeah, McDonald's said the sandwich was part of a series of members-only promotions to be released on Mondays in China. What are they calling it? The Mc uh, the McVomit because that's what well, happens after you take a bite of it. This is what they're calling it. I hope it sounds better in Chinese. Uh, they're calling it the lunch meat burger. That's <laughs> that's kind of funny. That's disgusting, but funny. Yeah. One person commented they thought it was delicious and said, is that because I love McDonald's too deeply or is something wrong with my taste? Both. And another person said, when you hate someone but have to invite him to dinner, you can ask him to eat McDonald's Oreo lunch meat burger. Um, I'll stick with my quarter pounder with cheese from time <laughs> to time. And the fries dipped in sweet and sour sauce because that's how you do an order at McDonald's. Fountain Coke. Oh, of course, the fountain. Yeah, we've discussed the fountain coke. Oh, yeah. Before. Oh, yeah. Yeah. McDonald's has the best coke. Yeah, I will. I will concur with that. It's hard to find a good fountain coke. Yeah. All right, Anne. That's that's the news for this week. Whoa. Yeah. You really spanned the globe. 
and talking yeah. about how upsetting humanity is from spam sandwiches to vegan yep. kangaroos dumbass kangaroo researchers and flamethrowers a lot of interesting a lot of creative things are happening yeah i guess if that's the word you want to use <laughs> oh well so since it is still december and christmas just passed but it is still a fresh in our minds yes we're rounding out the end of the year we're in that twilight of time between christmas and new year's where it's like t- days and time which is funny because this whole year it's like days and times have been suspended like you never know what day it is and what but so this is almost I don't know if it's particularly worse or if it's like you're so over it because every day is like this you don't notice it as much I haven't I don't know yet (laughs) well and on that note we decided to watch um a 1985 movie called the sure thing which I never until you brought this up Anne, I never really thought of this as a Christmas movie but yeah I think it's a Christmas movie. it's well it's a Chris it's like the between Christmas and New Year's movie yes because he because it is winter break colleges uh the semester has ended and it's Christmas break is upon them and so this is the story of Walter Gibson played by a 17 year old only 17 I know little baby John Cusack uh who is at a ambiguous ivy league school. ivy league up like new hampshire oh, yeah new hampshire. yeah yeah i actually read trivia that said uh, the director was rob reiner which i also didn't realize you didn't know that yeah rob oh. reiner yeah and he apparently filmed at several different schools in the northeast just to keep the allure of it not being like yeah. a certain one um, but apparently one of the scenes is recognizable as being at Cornell. Okay. Um, but um, so he, he is at his um, Ivy League school and his best friend from high school is out at UCLA. Lance. And he tells him he has to come out for winter break because he has a quote unquote sure thing to introduce himself to introduce him to. Yeah. Nicolet Sheridan. The premiere, the uh, debut of Nicolette Sheridan. Yeah. Yes. And so uh, his name is Walter Gibson, but he goes by Gib. So yep. Gib takes off on this cross-country trip with Daphne Zuninga. Or Zuniga. Her character Allison. What's that? <laughs> Daphne Zuniga. Zuninga. Zuniga. Zuniga? Zuniga. Zuniga. Daphne Zuniga. Oh, my apologies, Daphne. <laughs> When we have her on, I'll apologize. <laughs> I can't take it. Um, and she plays a very intellectual, kind of uptight, um, preppy academia type. Um, and they wind up getting a car, a, a ride with with the same couple by accident. Although they're they're in the same class together, she's over him, and he has an interest in her, and they wind up in the same car. Yeah. I'll just say this is one of my favorite movies of all time. Not a Christmas Christmas movie, but just in general. One of my favorite movies. I've probably seen it. I mean, five hundred times. Maybe not five hundred. Well, maybe. I mean, nineteen eighty-five <laughs> to now. That was nine thousand years ago. <laughs> Thirty-five years ago. Hard to believe. It is hard to believe. 
Um, yeah, so they go on this cross country trip together. And of course, you know, many mishaps happen. And uh, so, and, oh, and I should say she's going out to UCLA to see her boyfriend. Yes. Um, who's equally as sort of uh, uptight as she is. And, um, but along the way, they, of course, develop feelings for one another. Yeah. It's very, you know, it happened one night, you know, that Clark Abel and Claudette Colbert movie, the same kind of premise. They can't stand each other. And then, you know, through the series of things happening, you know, they realize that they have feelings for each other. Yes. Yes. Um, and then once they, so the end of the movie is they get to California. She goes off with her boyfriend and starts to find him very dull. And he goes, he's like lap song Sushong. How about a cup of Earl Grey? I can quote the entire movie. I could sit here. We could do a podcast of just me and Stevie on here, just reciting the lines as though we were, you know, reading the script. It is, it is such a cute, I hadn't seen it in a long time. I liked it when I saw it the first time, um, but I hadn't seen it in a long time and it is just very delightful. I just very much enjoyed it. Yes. This was the genesis of my John Cusack crush. 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 Yes. Yeah. I said, yes. I like well, that he guy. He's adorable. Yeah. He's very charming. Very charming. And um, so of course, you know, in the end, she finds the boyfriend boring he meets the sure thing, but then because he has feelings for Allison, he doesn't go through with um, sleeping with her, and they wind up together. Yes. Right? Yeah. There they are. Out in California now, in the Sunshine State. That's right. I have to say, it paints quite a picture of UCLA, where it's like, literally, I don't, this kid never seems to be doing any work. Anytime he calls his friend in the Northeast, there's bikini-clad women all around him <laughs> You know what's times. funny? Is he sends Gib um, Lance, who's played by Anthony Edwards, oh, yeah, sends, sorry. Um, sends Gib a postcard of, like, this really hot blonde in, like, a b- bikini, and then the back of it just says, this is the ugliest girl in California, <laughs> which is funny. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Um, so, so I very, like I said, I very much enjoyed watching this movie again. I think it's something you could just sit down and watch at any time. I do regularly. You'd, and you I, do. Pro- I probably quote, quote this movie one, uh, once a week. Easy. Once a week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was just talking to Stevie about it before we went on. I'm like, what are, cause I mean, I don't even have to watch it again to know. Cause I just know it so well. Like what are what are like the high points and we're just like oh you know Z U C H I and I like there's so many things in it that are so funny and it's just such a well done script and they're also charming it's hard to even talk about it because there's nothing to make fun of because it's it's the best. Well, what you were just referring to is they they're asked to spell zucchini and they spell it wrong. Yeah. How do yeah. you spell zucchini? Z U C H I and I. But um, what's funny in this movie? So. All right. So obviously like Gib is, can't meet any girls. He's like feeling very down on his luck. Lance is having the time of his life, talking to you cordless, having the best time. <laughs> he's it's like, fine, I'll go out and see you trying to get with Zuniga. She's not having it. And I guess it was a ride share, right? Like, so Tim Robbins, it's Tim Robbins is the driver, is the husband, is a husband wife team. And the other lady who, what's her name? Lisa Jane Persky. She's in everything. Like she's one of those ladies. She's in everything. And they're so funny. They pick them up. 
singing show tunes. But what I found funny watching it recently is like, obviously the ride share was happening because everybody was trying to save money, right? Yeah. And, but they all shared the same hotel room. Oh yeah, that was, that was bizarre. And I was like, huh, huh. Yeah, let's share, share a bedroom and go to sleep in the same room with complete strangers. Yeah. Oh, and of course, I think the assumption was that the married couple paid for that room because those two didn't have any, I mean- they must have given them some money. Uh, well, because because once they get ditched by them, uh, the John Cusack character only has, I think, $17. Well, but maybe he had, I'm sure they had to, it was probably like ride cross country for whatever amount of money. They didn't well, get yeah. into the plot, but I assume they had to give them like gas money. Yes. Oh yeah. I think so. But he had literally no cash. I will say that was the only thing. Who that- does? I didn't have any cash in college. I remember pray- praying it, going to the ATM and having to find the ATM that only gave out $10. You know, a lot of them are like $20 <laughs> and I go, but I only have 17. <laughs> so maybe if I find the $10 machine, I can get the $10 out. So yeah. relatable. But I, the only time that I really did not like the John Cusack character is you know, they get kicked out of the car. Now, how are they going to get the rest of the way? She actually has enough money to get a bus ticket, but she decides she feels bad and she decides to stay back with him. But you know that he has no money and he gets mad because she's on the phone with her boyfriend and he's feeling dejected. And he goes out to the bar and spends like all of his money buying drinks for people. Favorite scene is when they're at the bar. That's That's when I was like, he's kind of jerky. No, he was he was sad and depressed yeah but that's no reason you're not you're like halfway across the country you're gonna spend all he's buying drinks for random he was drunk and it's hilarious and the cowboy guy and the fucking guy who eats fried food deserve to drink my favorite line i think when he goes he sits he goes he sits up at the bar and the bartender goes um id and he throws in the id across and he says well, what'll it be, Dr. Levinson? It's so funny. Dr. Levinson. That whole scene is so funny. Listen, I don't begrudge those people to get free drinks. I'm just saying he was acting very irresponsible. Oh my God. You sound like Allison. I do sound like Allison. And then the next day it's his fault that she forgets her planner because he rushes her out of there. It's not his fault. Well, one might say. I disagree. She wouldn't have left her planner. I don't know why the they money. didn't just go back to the hotel and get yeah, it. That. I guess they were too far away by that time. I think yeah, you know what? Haven't. I think you can call it even Steven because he full rescues her from getting definitely raped, if not murdered. So oh, yeah, he does. Yeah. And then she's the asshole because he she doesn't even say thank you. She's like, Well, you make it hard, impossible to be appreciative. It's like he l- truly just saved you from a very bad experience. Yes, that was gonna not gonna go well. That Which is very well. funny. So there's a scene where she, they're fighting um, on the side of the road. And actually, you know what? That reminds me, the age-old question. He, they're sitting there. He's eating pork, um, pork rinds, <laughs> and he starts talking about junk food. And he says, "There's three basic types. There's the fried, starchy, greasy type." And then she cuts him off. And I'm always like, well, the second type is obviously sweets. What's the third? And to this day, I still want to know what is that third type? Oh, I don't know, Anne. So Rob Reiner, if you're listening. Yeah. Or John Cusack. No, first, just call me and then let me know. What's that third type? Yes. What, it, or what, it, what would it be? Bloom is the writer. 
Steve Bloom? Yeah. Steve Bloom, what's the third type? What is the third type? I'd love to know. But anyway, so she they get into an argument. They're trying to hitchhike. A truck stops and she goes, she's like, well, I'm taking this ride. And it's with this creep who pulls over to the side of the road and starts grabbing at her. And then what we didn't know is that Gib jumps into the back of the truck and gets into the the car and starts acting like a maniac. And that's a really funny scene too. Yeah, I was like, that was good of him as a young man to have that kind of, I don't know, bold, bold. Yeah. So that part's really funny, but he, he rescues her. Well, here's something that I found interesting about this movie. And that of course didn't occur to me at the time in 1985. So there's two, there's two actors in this film, both who had been on one day at a time. And I was like, it's so weird that these two are both in this movie. One of which was John Cusack's friend at college. The character's name was Mastin. Um, but he had played Bob Morton on One Day at a Time. He who did? Was, yes. Oh, I don't know. I, Mastin, I you're a genius. Him. I'm like, oh, it's that guy. Uh, he played a character who pined for Barbara Cooper, the Valerie Bertinelli uh, character. And then the boyfriend, Daphne, I'm not even going to say her last name, Daphne's boyfriend was played by Boyd Gaines, who was Barbara's husband on One Day at a Time. Oh, yeah. I wasn't a, I didn't, I, I mean, I know obviously Schneider. Yes. And Valerie Bertinelli, who's from Delaware. And I did have an eight by 10 glossy photo of her hanging on my wall growing <laughs> up. Um, and I watched it, but I didn't watch it closely enough to be, to even notice that. Oh, uh, well, it was so funny because I mean, of course, Boyd Gaines has been in a lot of things. So yeah. He always plays a good square. Yeah. Square yeah. But that guy, the actor's name is John Putch. And I was like, oh my God, I know that guy. I just thought it was like a one day at a time Bermuda Triangle with John Cusack in the middle of Boyd Gaines and John Pooch. Pooch. Well, I wish that Schneider would have come by and like picked them up. He could have been, oh, this is the other thing about the movie that, you know, I sort of forgot about and they don't seem to have this character anymore. There's like a lot of characters that have type, type characters that have fallen off. But the, you know, female professor who's always, waxing rhapsodic about things and reading John Cusack's essay. She reminded me so much of the character in Rodney Dangerfield's Back to School. I, I like, love Back to the, School. Yeah. Yes, it was like the same exact character. I love it. Like they come in wearing like the Stevie Nicks type clothes and they always have a hat on. and then A scarf. Like, yeah. And they're like breathlessly getting like romantic about different writers that oh whole part is hilarious when she reads the, the penthouse forum letter <laughs> yeah. and i had an experience that changed my mind <laughs> which they never actually that was written that was an actual penthouse letter that uh, that john cusack's roommate had written and somehow he turned in as his essay. he grabbed the wrong notebook running out of the room yes he he woke up late and uh and thus was embarrassed in front of allison who of course has no tolerance for that kind of behavior. Yeah. And then there's the part where what gets them kicked out of the car with, with Tim Robbins is they get into a huge fight in the backseat of the car about spontaneity and being spontaneous. And so a car drives by where a guy is mooning oh, yeah. them and they're laughing. And so she gets so mad that she decides to pull her 
top off and hang out the window. And then yes. <laughs> they get pulled over by the cops and the guy's like listing off the reasons for why. And then Gibbs sticks his head out and goes, and goes driving with a load not properly tied down, which is very funny. <laughs> <laughs> driving with a load not properly tied down. Um, and I will say this I did not notice, but I read about um, when Gibb is teaching Allison how to shotgun a beer. I didn't notice this. He's wearing a t-shirt with two people on it, Dwight D. Eisenhower and Tina Turner, and the shirt was known as the Ike and Tina t-shirt. Well, I want that t-shirt. I have a theory that John Cusack wears his own clothes in all of his movies. Oh. Because he, it's always the same vibe. It's a very similar style all the time. Yeah. As a matter of fact, we were just watching, and I don't know why it was on HBO, Must Love Dogs, which is not a very good movie. No offense. I mean, he made it for the money. But at the entire film, I'm like, did he just walk in off the street and was like, let's get rolling? Because he's in full Ramones t-shirt. At one point, he's in um, a boat and he's wearing legit combat boots, rowing in the boat with the long overcoat, the whole thing. He, oh, he, you know, even up until whatever that movie was that he did with Kate um, Beckinsale, is that her name? Oh, yeah. Sarah he even had the long coat on in that. Yeah. I'm into it. I'm into the whole thing. Yeah, that was. Um... I am on board. Well, and also I did read that, that, that actually the scene that we're talking about with the Ike and Tina t-shirt was is where he's teaching her how to shotgun a beer. Um, that was not in the script. John Cusack. Um, asked to have it added in because he said he knew how to do it and thought it would be authentic to the role well it is a delightful scene chrissy have you ever shot on a beer i've tried yes i i know that have i was certain you were gonna say no no in college i did try much like it came out kind of like allison too yeah yeah i've done it both ways where i where i um i actually take that back i don't know if i've actually ever got the whole one done yeah but I've, i've done okay (laughs) <laughs> then you go why why am i doing this yeah what is the like point of this it's like to try it for fun it's like okay but to continue it it is a lifestyle it's almost like a rite of passage let's yeah. just like oh i've done it i don't really need to do it again yeah one would argue if it becomes part of the lifestyle try something new yeah i was actually gonna say if that is if that does become your main method of drinking beer it's probably a problem that would be hilarious if that's if, someone, if someone's like no i'm sorry you know people are like no can i get a glass with that if they're like no no, no. i just need a sharp object real quick i just need to puncture you this. know what in 2020 i don't really i don't drink beer anymore i really don't but if i did i'll be goddamned. the only way i drink it is i'm gonna shock on that shit <laughs> I go, um can i just get a bar towel and just whatever sharp object you have nearby and i need the can that's right that's it um all right and i have one last the only other thing i'll say is that uh because john cusack was only 17 when he shot this movie he had to seek legal emancipation from his parents in order to shoot on location oh i didn't know that yeah that seems a bit extreme to me like couldn't his parents just go with him to location he had to seek emancipation I mean, by that time he was, he, he had been in a handful of movies. So he had already kind of like started his career and this was his first big lead role. He actually had been in a number of movies by that point. He was in class. Yeah. 16 candles. Um, and then after this movie, he was in tape heads, hot pursuit, say anything, 
oh, Better Off Dead was the same year. Grand View USA was the year before. And One Crazy Summer was this year after. And he they are very all busy. the best. I mean, I say anything, obviously. But Better Off Dead and One Crazy Summer, I love. Yeah, John Cusack was very busy in the 80s. And so those were mostly if, if he was 17 and 85. I mean, yeah, this is all before he's 20. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, the Walter Gibson slash Lloyd Dobler character was like my, that's it. That, that was my, my, uh, my type. Yeah, Lloyd Dobler. Well, I don't know, Anne. Which do you pick, the sure thing or say anything? Sure thing sure thing yeah although i mean i I mean it's they're very similar but they are although actually yeah yeah, i would agree because i think say anything has a little bit of like it doesn't have like that whole dark storyline about the dad and yeah john mahoney he's stealing yeah i didn't like that that's my favorite cameron crowe movie although let's be honest well he did in, in fast times too but fast times didn't say anything but rob reiner i mean what a director yeah and I guess they then it did. I I did read that also the next year, John Cusack made a cameo appearance in Rob Reiner's um not the next year the next Rob Reiner's next film Stand by Me. Oh yeah, you know Stand by Me was the first R-rated movie that I saw in the movie theater that my mom took me to, because it was so well reviewed on NPR. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I've been watching God knows what, but she. That was the first one we went in the theater. Oh, there you go. All right, Anne. Well, I'm so glad you picked this because, like I said, I hadn't seen it in so long, and I just found it delightful. It is the best. That's one of the ones that I can just put on anytime and watch it, like, anytime. It's very cute. All the time. Anytime. Oh, and you know what? You know who else they have in there? The guy that um, they always have, like, the bum character that asks for change. Yeah. That's another thing that has gone away since the 80s. <laughs> you know, there's always, and there's always that same actor. That guy, <laughs> that guy had that part in every movie from probably 1981 to, I'm assuming he's probably not with us any longer this year, but until he died, he had that part. He had a lock. Just call up Richard. Yeah. And he says, loan me a dollar. Can you loan me a dollar twenty-three? And then he breaks a five, which is very funny. But yeah, that guy. I don't even know who that guy is, but he's certainly had quite a prolific career as the either the drunk guy in the bar or the guy asking for a dollar. And I salute salute you, sir. I have to say, after watching this film, I watched a horrible, horrible movie. What was that? Um, with my daughter called um after we collided what's that can you watch all of those is that, is that like one of those weird teen can you watch all of those like the kissing booth yeah you watch the movies designed for like they're supposed to be for teens but really it's like for 12 year olds that think it's a teen movie yeah you like yeah. those it's um it is the sequel you know what i'm just gonna i was just looking i think the guy you're talking about is larry hankin who did play the homeless guy asking for money in every movie fucking larry love that guy oh he's on the mm. wedding singer like he's in everything i love larry um larry hank oh, if i'm looking at the right person no he's oh, no that's not him larry hankin is he plays the um the truck driver who's yeah. like i'll get you in the saddle yeah You're yeah talking about 
not cowboy guy who's he let's see oh this guy this here he is carmen philpy his name was carmen philpy he died in 2003 yeah no no yeah you're right i do know who you're talking about he died at age 80 which is funny because he always looks 80 yeah he does always look 80 he was 80 in 2003 but he looked 80 in 1985 but this is what i was saying in this horrible movie after we collided at the very end this homeless guy comes up to them and asks uh he was trying to get someone's name and that's like the big cliffhanger of the whole movie because the girl who he's coming up to recognizes him as her dad and that's what? like how the movie ends that's dumb it's terrible it was a terrible movie all around but i guess there's going to be a sequel what's that like a netflix yes apparently i not to get into the but apparently the first movie this was a sequel the first movie was called after and georgia informed me that it was a fan book written by someone who's so crazy about harry styles well i do love harry styles that she wrote this whole fantasy about but she changed the name the main guy's name is harden it's like it's the same initials it's like harden spires or something like that <laughs> anyway it's this so she wrote this story and it was like whatever fan fiction that's the fan fiction i swear it, to god i'd be a millionaire at this point if i had published my joey mcintyre fan fiction Listen, Anne, just pick someone else and just pick someone contemporary. They made a movie and then like a sequel. But this is the funny part. Georgia told me that Harry Styles wound up getting a restraining order against this woman. <laughs> she's like, joke's on you, Harry. Yeah, she's laughing all the way to the bank. She's now on to her third film. Wow. And I kept anytime, you know how I get with these things and I start complaining about the plot line and like how many holes there are in it. And Georgia just kept saying it was written by a teenage girl. I yeah. don't know what you expect. Like what? I mean, that's upsetting it. I'm just thinking of all the people who have like written so many scripts and have worked so hard and they're really well done. And then this fucking unhinged Harry Styles teen <laughs> clearly has an agent that makes more money than all of us. Yeah. She certainly is richer than we are at this point. Yeah. Oh, for that's, sure. And she has a and she has a restraining order. So there you go. And you can do it. I mean, look, you too can get a restraining order and <laughs> that's wild to me. It is. Wild. I'm telling you, it's terrible. It's a terrible movie. Terrible. God, that's depressing. Um, all right, Anne. Well, happy new year to you. Happy New Year, Chrissy. And in 2021, the sky's the limit. Woohoo! Yes. And I will and say and thank you to everyone who listens. Um, yes, thank you to all of our listeners this year. And and please continue to give us five star reviews. Yes. <laughs> and leave reviews and spread the word and like our Instagram page. People. Write some fan fiction about us. Oh my God. Write some fan fiction. <laughs> we will issue a restraining order and then we'll cut the profits down the middle okay that's right nobody that's right. will it'll be great <laughs> great i'll totally it's, do it's it it's a win-win all around yeah can't lose oh god all right and happy new year happy new year I'll